Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. We are hunters, anglers, riders, and sometimes chefs. Our passion for the outdoor lifestyle motivated the foundation of Harvesting Nature, which serves as a media outlet built to inspire and educate the outdoor expert, and novice alike. Our podcast focuses on the technical side of cooking wild fish and game while also incorporating adventures and lessons learned from our pursuit of wild meat. Join us on our journey of harvesting nature. Hey everyone, welcome back to Harvesting Nature's Wild Fish and Game podcast. You got your host here, Justin Townsend, and uh, this is another one of those mobile podcasts. So We've been up here in Wyoming, uh, got a member of the crew here, AJ, and uh, we also have AJ's dad as well, Art, and uh, today we're going to tell you a little bit about our antelope experience up here in Wyoming. Go and check out the Harvesting Nature store if you haven't been there yet. We're offering a discount on our products, 20%, use the code PODCAST. 2020 podcast 20 and I'll get you 20% off any item in the store and uh got some great t-shirts there should be releasing our uh our alligator shirt uh to commemorate our alligator hunting adventure in there pretty soon and, and I think I think we got an antelope hunting shirt in the in the works we coined the phrase tonight so we'll we'll see how long it takes to get that into production but Hopefully that's up on the website. Lots of great hats and other cool stuff on there if you take a look and uh, show your love and support for all that we do. But, um, yeah, I'm excited to talk about antelope in Wyoming. So we've been coming uh, to Wyoming. I think AJ and I, we came our first time, what, 20? First time was 2015. 2015. Yep. And Art, what time was your your first your first time down here? <coughs> I believe it was uh, <coughs> 2016. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the year after, I think, because yeah. that was the year that 
I couldn't make it because I was uh I I just started yeah. work in Key West. So, um, yeah. So we've been AJ's been coming. You've been coming consistently every year. This is my sixth year in a row. Yes, every yeah. year. Don't miss it. Nice. And Art, this is your second, third, third, third time. And this is my. It's also my third time mm-hmm. up here. So, uh, we were up here last year. We brought Jack up with us last year, uh, which was great because he had never been on a, a Western hunt before. So that was a neat experience. Uh, we got him two doe. You get two doe tags. I believe he did. Yeah. Yeah, two doe yeah, tags. He had a great time. Yeah, it was good. We we did. That's actually. So I wrote up a, a great story about it, and uh, I'll I'll be sure to throw the links link in the show notes so you can uh so you can read that article but it's uh, a mint condition oh uh, yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> a title that commemorates our our visit up to uh the mint bar uh which is one of our favorite like watering holes here in wyoming uh when we come up to visit so yeah Be- beautiful country so beautiful, beautiful um country. yes wyoming has a special place in my heart mm-hmm. um I'm trying to think the first time. I came to Wyoming when I was a teenager, uh, right before I went to college this summer, because I just had family that lived over in Cody, and we came out to visit them. And then since then, it's been every like couple years that I've I've made it up this way, but Wyoming's such a great place. I just wish it didn't get so cold. <laughs> 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 Which is what we're experiencing this week uh, with all the weather. Uh, it's been kind of up and down. So... We got coming up into Wyoming. It was kind of mild. They had some storms come through our first day. And then we've been up here, uh, what, three days? Four days now. Yeah, today is day four. And we see temperatures range from, uh, I think, upper 70s to uh, below freezing. Yeah. Uh, There's a frost the other night. So. Uh, it's very fickle this time of year the the weather um you don't know what to expect could be 80 could be 20 uh could be you know rain sleet snow mm-hmm. um this year our nemesis has been wind so you know steady wind 20 30 miles per hour gust 60 plus um makes hunting very very tough yeah so it's been a hard year so far closes the distance for shots like you're looking, you're definitely not shooting past 200 and no. you know, gusty wind. Not responsibly, no. No. Um, we did have some, AJ had some luck today at, at some distance, but we'll talk about that as we get into it. But uh, um, I will say, yeah, weather's been pretty pretty rough. Last year, in comparison, though, last year we got up here and it was about 10 degrees uh, our first day, which was frigid. Um, cause we went from 95 degrees yeah. when we left Austin <laughs> and then within two days we had a snowstorm in Denver. And then by the time we got here, it was 10, which is pretty intimidating when you're living in the Florida Keys. Yeah, uh, we did fine. Yeah, we yeah, we did good. Day. You layer up first yeah. lights, got some great stuff. I'll give them a shout out. Um, been using them for years, mm-hmm. but, uh, definitely awesome keeps you warm guys it is october you know it is october (laughs) yeah it's not like june here you know october in key west is like at the end of october we have fantasy fest which is like uh it's like a big elongated halloween with lots of alcohol and 
half naked people so you can imagine there the temperatures are still like june <laughs> but uh here definitely not no uh no. sounds <clears throat> sounds like a southern mardi gras it's exactly what it is <laughs> <laughs> um but so i think um i want to talk about definitely so we hunt a mixture of public land and we hunt a mixture of private land here uh, our first year coming up, back in 2015, we were introduced to a little bit of private land that got us onto public land, and then we quickly uh, were introduced. Actually, I reread the original article that I wrote, mm-hmm. uh, and it was back when it was like, uh, I think the app was like Onyx Hunt or something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, It wasn't even Onyx as we know it today. It was a very basic form, and... And we were at one of the the local watering holes here in the town that we were mm-hmm. at, and somebody recommended it to you. Yeah, we discovered it. Yeah, somebody's like, you got to check out this app. It shows you where the public land boundaries are, and mm-hmm. like you can just drive down the road and be like, there's public land, there's public land, there's public land. So we quickly took that plan to action and uh, ended up on a, a good sliver, which we dubbed the Honey Hole, Yeah, which has been mixed results since we dubbed it the Honey Hole. Uh, last year it was a dud. It's a funny spot. It's, it's a sliver of, uh, BLM land that, uh, most people would drive right by, Mm -hmm. not think twice, but, you know, we were, um, adventurous and found it and wanted to check it out. And, you know, you get off the road, hike in there and, um, you know, the terrain is such they could hide some game and you wouldn't know it. And over the years we've seen, we've taken antelope there. Yep. Um, our first antelope, actually. Yeah. We each took there. We doubled up. Um, we've seen antelope, uh, mule deer. Uh, we've seen elk there. You know, big six by six bulls there. Yeah, that was so, cool last year. Yeah. So it's it's one of those gems where, you know, a tip would be, you know, no land is too small. Um, if you see it, you know, go check it out. Look for sign. Look for game. Um, you never know what you find. Could be surprised. What was it somebody told you, Art, today when we were up at the store there? She's like, if it's six inches over the line, it's, you know, it's either public land or private land. Yeah. It doesn't matter. An inch or a mile, it's there. It's there. <laughs> the line is there. So uh, I would encourage people to definitely be familiar with that. It's uh, It's been a good producer for us. And, like, even as we've, we've learned, because we hunt, like, a, a fairly large area, I would say, and um, just getting familiar with all the public land over time. It's like last year, I think it was it was probably one of my favorite moments. We drove down one of the county roads, and on the left side of the road, there was some BLM land. On the right side of the road, there was uh, Wyoming state land. Mm-hmm. And as we drive past, there's cars parked on the right side of the road, so that's kind of the indicator. All right, well, there's somebody over on the Wyoming state land. But way on the top of this ridge, probably like 500 feet off the top of the road, there sits like one lone antelope buck and just sitting there. And I think at the time, we all had just doe tags in in hand, but we decided we were going to trek to the top of this ridge to see if there was anything else, like, any other animals with him in, you know, to create a herd and, uh, got up there to the top, realized he was like, he was probably a hundred yards off public land on private. Uh, so we didn't go any further, but we also didn't see anything else. But as we 
peered back down towards where the truck was, where the road uh, dissected these two pieces of land, we saw the guys, like, walking down from the Wyoming state land, going back to their trucks, and sort of we watched them get in their trucks as we kind of, like, slowly walked down. And then you look a little further back to the east, uh, the way this land ran, and there comes, like, a herd of antelope, like, slowly working their way back in behind where these hunters were just walking out. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's, like, that iconic moment of, like, it shows the true picture of antelope hunting. Like, it doesn't matter the time of day. It doesn't matter the weather conditions. Like, they're always kind of out there moving around. Yeah. Unless it's, like, really, really bad. But we we ended up harvesting. I shot an antelope off that herd. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think we lined up for some other shots, and it just didn't happen. And then, like, a the truck came through because it butts up to some private land and a truck came through and scared off the herd. But that was, that was such a cool. So we, we like hauled ass down off the top of the mountain to get across the road after those guys left and get on their herd, which was super cool. It was probably about a, would say like half mile away. Yeah. 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 It worked out really good. It was, uh, it's good. So then, um, to compare and contrast the, the piece of private land that we hunt, which we'll, we'll commonly refer to as the ranch, which is not like I don't want people to think of it as like the a game ranch or anything. There's no high fences. There's nothing. It's like a traditional cattle ranch. Uh, the family that owns it's lived here for a while, and they they farm or they raise cattle on it, and that's pretty much it. And so how AJ created the relationship, became uh, good friends of the the guy the family that owns it and we've been afforded the opportunity to hunt it the past past what four years five years yeah i believe i, I started hunting that in uh 2017 17 or 18 i started and um it's a good part of the land it's about 3500 acres that uh that we hunt um traditional rolling central wyoming country mm-hmm. you know all the sagebrush and all that so um, prime antelope habitat and the best part about it is um, you know it, it butts up to several pieces of BLM land that are otherwise landlocked so not only do you have access to the private ranch you have access to other public land um, so it, it really creates uh, a tremendous opportunity mm-hmm. um, where you could hunt that all day long and as you're moving from north to south east to west um, the other parts are undisturbed, so you can go back and hunt those. And like you, you just mentioned in your previous story, antelope move in, they change. Um, so it's sun up to sun up to sundown all day long. You could have action there. When as you rotate, even if you get a good, so like for us, I think one of our big strategies, and, and we'll get into it a little bit more, but like a strategy sort of hunting is like doubling up hunters. Like if you find a herd, instead of being like, ah, oh, one person go after this or one person go after that, like generally if one person has a buck tag, one person has a doe tag or vice versa or a combination of the two, you're going to be able to put two hunters onto the same herd and take, there's an opportunity if you coordinate it to take two animals off one herd. Mm-hmm. And then as you, if somebody misses a shot or you spook them or whatever, this parcel of land is large enough that you can kind of play the, the shift around game where you're, you're moving around, you know, all right, we, we scared them to the East. So now we're going to shift. We're going to move to try to, to try to get ahead of them if they kind of settle down. So it, it's large enough that they're not just spooked and gone. Like, it's not like a one and done. No. 
Now, a lot of times, too, I'll add is, you know, as long as you don't uh, stand up or move after your shot, a lot of times they don't know where the danger, yeah. the threat is, right? They don't know where to run to. So they may run 100 yards, stand there, look around. So mm -hmm. you may get a second opportunity as long as you don't move. When it's been uh – this year it didn't happen. Last year it happened, and my my first year, uh, hunting antelope it happened. That they last year, AJ took the shot, and then there was another group of the herd that we didn't see that ended up mm -hmm. being only about 150 yards away from me, and they just started running towards me, and kind of closed the distance to like 120, and then I took a took a doe off of that as they slowed down. But, yeah, 100% correct. If they don't see you, oftentimes it may just be one one uh, antelope in the entire herd that spooks or gets startled, and they'll just start running, and the others will run too because they don't know why. Their first oh, instinct's yeah. just to run. <laughs> and uh, They're good at it. Yeah. Um, the the herd I, I took my buck off this week like ran uh, like 70 yards and then stopped and then just started like grazing mm -hmm. quickly um away which which allowed me to get in a good spot but they're not dumb animals no by no means <clears throat> usually when they're you see a herd like that whether they're laying down or grazing there's always one that's watching mm -hmm. the herd mm -hmm. and if he sees something that he alerts the herd yeah i yeah mm -hmm. um i've all yeah i've always seen that and it's it's a good uh, thanks for pointing that out because that's absolutely a common theme and th i think the theme this year was it was the younger it was the younger does yeah. uh or the younger bucks that sort of gave us problems that would stare at us for 30 45 minutes uh without moving or i, I had one uh while you were off stalking one there was another on the far ridge that mm -hmm. sh that she sat there and she must have watched me I don't know because I was far enough away. I was probably like 800 yards away. Like I could see her through the binos pretty clearly, but she'd watch me and she'd like take a couple steps towards me and then she'd like look and then she'd take another couple steps towards me. And then finally, um, I decided to move. So she kind of moved as well. But yeah, it's, it's interesting. Their <coughs> behavior patterns. You know, the problem there was you blinked. It was it. That you blinked. She won. She yeah. got you on the that stair. Was, that was know? the eyesight. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. They, have the, they have laser focus. They pin you right down there yeah. for, for 10, 15 minutes. It's amazing. And you can't move. Once you move, you're done. No. And it's even been like you can tell. Um, but, you know, they're like they may not be able to identify what's going on there, but they just know something's off. Yeah. And then they'll all kind of, you'll see the herd kind of get uneasy. And they'll just kind of like watch in the general area of like, something's up over there, but we don't know what it is. But we don't like it. It's a different kind of hunt. Absolutely. To be you know, I, I don't know how many people that do hunt antelope or maybe they hunt deer or something. It's just totally different kind of a hunt. Mm -hmm. I think too, I like it because it's, it's constantly moving. For me. And we went through a variety of methods sort of this week. Um, we, we did the traditional like spot and stock, which is kind of what what we've done well at. Um, find where the herd's at. Work your way towards it. Try to get within, you know, under 200 yards to take a good shot, which is really challenging. Mm -hmm. I mean, 
today we <laughs> traveled two miles to get within 200 oh, yeah. yards. <laughs> yeah, today was an epic spot in stock. We yeah. had like an elevation change of probably, what, 1,700 feet? It was a lot. Yeah. A lot, a lot of ups and downs in there. Yep. I should look on my Onyx. I turned mm. the tracker on, but yeah. you sure it was two miles. It felt a lot longer. It felt like <laughs> a lot longer, especially coming back. <laughs> um, but and then AJ had luck uh, yesterday mm-hmm. with with your ambush technique, which was which was interesting. We were uh, Art and I drove up up the road to the place where we take uh we dropped antelope off and i'm i'm gonna get into why we dropped them off in just a moment after this story um and then i get a text message from aj it's like hey bring ice because we left him at the ranch and uh all yeah. yeah i mean it's it's the complete opposite of spot and stock right so um yesterday it was uh it was windy um it was a little warmer and it was very dry, very dusty. So um, it's been very dry in Wyoming this, this past year. So um, there's two main tanks, water tanks, on that ranch. The southern one is dry as a bone, nothing there. So there's only one tank on that ranch. And it's really a, a critical water source for all wildlife um, for miles around. So um, we weren't seeing much on the ranch as far as spot and stock. So um, these guys are going to run their antelope. Uh, up the road to the butcher um, and so I stayed at the ranch and I just basically um, set up by that tank. I sat behind that dam um, just you know would uh, take a little nap, uh, relax and then scan the hillside <laughs> and see what I saw um, and every 15 minutes pop up over that dam and glass the hillside and, and look for any any antelope. So uh, it worked out really well. Um, three doe kind of came in, came in really hot really fast um, from probably I saw them half mile away, and they came in within uh, five minutes there on that water, and so peeked up over that dam. Um, you know, there's I had three doe forty yards away, so you know it was kind of a bow hunting strategy, but um, worked really well and and filled that boat that uh, doe tag uh, yesterday. Yep, and then sort of. Uh yeah, that was we're, we're definitely going <laughs> way out of order with the days, <laughs> and that's that's where I got mine on the first day. Yep, mm-hmm. I got mine on the first day at the same which tank, which we're going to talk about in just a second. But I want to want to make sure <laughs> we were like we're going to talk about it day one, day two, day three. We've like circum- we'll start with day two afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> we'll circumvent the entire plant. That's no, all right. We do what we want. That's a great thing. Well, you're talking strategies, so spot and stock. Yeah, and then still hunting. So it's okay. Fits in absolutely yeah. perfect. I'm cool with it. Um, one thing that we we already talked a little bit about weather, but I I definitely want to talk about sort of we we talked a little bit about herd behavior. I don't know anything outside of how the herds are behaving. I think a, a compare and contrast could be ac- applicable. So, and it, it deals with the water. And so they've had kind of a drought running here in, uh, in Wyoming. There's been some, some burn restrictions and, uh, I guess like heat advisories and the wind, like it's, it's been a crazy mess. Um, but it's definitely had effect on the way that the herds 
behave. And that meaning just kind of like the way they're moving around on the land that we're at. So obviously AJ talked about the importance of the, the tank, tank pond. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know what else you call it. I think those are all the terms that people would it's, use. It's a water hole. It's really yeah. all it is, yeah. So the herds, like, throughout the days that we were here would be, like, off and on on that, on that, that water just coming down. Because basically on the property that we were at, there's two, there's two tanks. And I think way back on the BLM land in the back part, I think mm -hmm. there was another one. That I'm guessing is probably dried up. Um, I I didn't see it this trip. I don't know. That's probably at least two miles away. And I say that they're just for the amount of trees that when we're up on the ridge looking uh, down. Yeah. Those aspens down Yeah, there. the aspens that are present. That's usually a good indicator of like water yeah. or at least an underground water source. Um, we've never been over there, but I would just guess that they're, they're probably there. Yeah. Um, so... With that, uh, last year we took several off the southern pond on the property. This year the southern pond was bone dry. And it corresponded with the way that the herds moved around the property because we spotted absolutely none moving around except for two fleeing us that we, we startled uh, that were then chased by coyotes, which was a interesting experience <laughs> to watch it was like something off national geographic they were like oh there's a uh, there's these two antelope running and then we uh we text art to come around to come pick us up and uh as he's coming he startles the two and then he startles a coyote which then turns into two coyotes which then turns into two antelope running and two coyotes chasing the antelope. And then I'm pretty sure at one point I saw the buck out of that pair stop and like stand his ground with the coyotes. And then the antelope ran off and I never saw the coyotes again. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know where they went. They just, uh, they turned tail and yeah. got out of there. I think he like legitimately like stood his ground and yeah. was like, whoop, nope. It's not. This is not <laughs> happening. <laughs> not today. Nope. Yep. Which is interesting. Um, unfortunately, it didn't work in our favor for them to push them. They're pretty much like competitors in that moment. Yeah. But, uh, so, after seeing no antelope on the south side of the property, a lot of our focus went towards the the tank, as uh, AJ pointed out. So, I, I did, by the way, I did check Onyx just now, uh -huh. and there is a tank where you mentioned by those aspects. Boom. Yeah. So it's it's over there a couple miles away. Yeah. But if it's dry or wet, I have no idea. I bet you it's dry. I want to, yeah. the way the herds move in and out towards that one tank, I bet you it is dry. And there's like a, it's not like an easy haul for them to get there. Like, it's still probably two and a half, three miles away from where we would see them concentrate after getting pushed off the ranch onto the BLM land. I think that kind of factors into a lot of the behavior that we saw. And uh, there was some hunting pressure on the ranch the day before we got there, which I think played a lot into it. And I don't know if there's going to be anybody hunting it after for the next couple of days, but we definitely ran, ran those herds ragged. Because uh, today we had to get back there and work for them pretty hard. Yeah, I mean, we took we took five antelope 
Yep. And uh, over basically two and a half days. Two, two, two yeah. buck and, and three dough. It was a lot of work. <laughs> but it was good work. Um, so I do want to... I get a lot of questions about... One, I get a lot of questions about antelope hunting because people are very interested in it. Because um, if you look at sort of the population of the United States, like whitetail is pretty common, mule deer is pretty common, but like antelope and the way that we antelope is very isolated to sort of a sliver of the, the West. And people have a lot of questions about where we go hunting and how we go hunting and all that. And like, there's tons of information. Uh, Wyoming's fishing game website is really great about putting out all the information about when drawings are going on. You can go subscribe to their newsletter, which I do. It's a lot oh, of, yeah. a lot of great information. Um, they have their annual drawing. All antelope tags in Wyoming are uh, lottery-based, so you have to put in to draw them. They have a a non-resident. I'll just cover everything's covered equally in resident, non-resident, but they have a non-resident uh, antelope tag, which is good for buck or doe. Generally, you're going to take want to take a buck off of that because it's a, a more expensive tag. And then they have a doe and fawn tag, which is what I think everyone here, we all have one of those. Mm-hmm. And then AJ and I put in for the, the antelope tag this year to take bucks, which Art has done in the past as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but we all enjoy eating antelope. It's delicious. I will dispute anybody who says otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I've This is going on a year like four of eating antelope and yeah i don't know yeah it's it's my uh my family's favorite my wife's favorite yeah. and my wife does not like uh a strong tasting you know game meat mm-hmm. and so that says something and art you're you're particular about the way you like your antelope prepared that's right you like you're yeah. a ground guy that's right a lot meat. of chili hey <laughs> that's lot, good though a lot of meatballs you know nothing like an antelope meatball that's true. I agree. So. And uh, me, I go for the full, like, wide array. Grind, steaks, roasts, all of it. It works great. Yeah, I mean, you have seen and will see an abundance of antelope recipes on the website. That's always there. But the other question we get a lot is is about gear. And um, I, I've talked a little bit about it in each of the articles I wrote because there's always, like, some very important, like, successful, um, I guess, things that, items of gear that guarantee success or help guarantee success. Um, we'll start from the small and work to the, the largest. So, I guess small would be binos, definitely. Good pair of knockers, yep. Yep. Um, we, we've all experimented this year, I, I went with the Allen Company Bino Harness this year. Uh, it was pretty good. It, it allows ease of access. I had the GoPro on the side, wind indicator, uh, range finder in the front. Overall, great product. Recommend that. You guys use the sort of like, what do they call it, the suspender Bino Harnesses? Yeah, I've been using that for years, and um, I'm contemplating upgrading to... Uh, what you have, something yeah. similar. Um, just seeing how you use that this trip. Yeah. And the, fu- the function of it, I kind of like that quite a bit. So 
that's probably a a 2021 upgrade to my arsenal <laughs> i uh i like it so i i just got that this year and last year i used uh sort of the suspender style and i think the big difference between the two is i spent a lot of time last year cleaning the lens of my binocular yeah. so if it starts sprinkling or like i'd crawl i'd they'd get dusty but with the the lid that could close and stuff that that was a big help Reminds me, mine is in the console of my truck, and after today's stalk through the mud, it's due for <laughs> cleaning. <laughs> I should probably grab that. Yeah. Um. Let's see. Another important thing for clothing. 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 What are What are your thoughts on clothing? <clears throat> well, you really don't know what the weather's going to be. That's true. So if it's cool in the morning, you got to be warm. But then in the afternoon, it warms up. So now you, if you have too much on, you got to start taking it off. Yep. Or if you're packing out, <clears throat> like today. And mm-hmm. and you can't leave it there. Nope. Because, you, you you know, you got to carry it. So Layering. Layering. Layering is very important. Yep. And I think that was the – it's been a, a trend all throughout, but I think today, today it stuck most. I peeled off two layers when we packed out. Uh, I took off three. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was cold by the time we got to the top just because the wind kicked up. But quality. Quality clothing. I think quality. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 100%. Yeah. That's the, why. I, the zip off long johns were key. Yep. So you got uh, them this year. So, uh, <laughs> first light is, uh, is way ahead of their competition in that one. Um, great product. Uh, I would say, thinking back to 2015, we first started. Um, you know, we have backgrounds in, in whitetail hunting. It's how mm-hmm. we kind of were introduced to it. And we approach this like a deer hunt, and we got our butts kicked, right? Yeah. these animals see you a half mile away, and they run. Um, so that was a, you know, a steep learning curve went through in two or three days. But the one thing we did not have that we needed was a stable shooting rest because mm. th- your shots here are going to be about 200 yards um, depends on your skill level, your, your comfortability, um, you know, the, the conditions. Um, you know, some shots, you took one at 34 yards the other day. So you can get really close, but usually you're about 200 yards for antelope on average, I would say. Yeah. So um, we run uh, bipods in the rifles. Mm-hmm. So you can attached, get attached bipods. Attached, yeah, yep. attached. So you can get down in an in prone position, real comfortable, stable. Mm-hmm and take a good shot um there's a lot of products i don't want to mention any names right now but there's some that you know you can kind of have detached bipods that you know magnetically clip on and there's some great products out there too so whatever you choose get a a stable shooting rest um you know so you have the confidence to take that shot and i'll echo what aj said for the uh for the shooting rest because generally the sort of battle rhythm that we go through like through a stock is like you're going from a standing position to like glassing a ridge or a little knoll to being like all right there's a herd there and then you're then going as you progress forward to either like um what do you call it like kind of crouched over as you move forward to like <laughs> the progression would be crouched to crawl to like 
hands and knees to like flat on your stomach like army crawling. Yeah. S- sniper. 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 Yeah. 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 So then you're set up like that bipod becomes very important in like the last couple of steps because as you're like crawling you can like set it down, crawl a couple forward, grab the rifle, slide it up and mm-hmm. then as you're moving it up to to shoot, you're obviously there's nothing around to rest on. There's no trees. You can't put it on sagebrush. No. Like no, the, the the best option is what we did in 2015 was was a backpack, right? Yep, and, th- and that's that's fine too. Some guys can do that and, and be okay with that, but I find it a bit cumbersome. And my backpack is it has a, a, some gear in it, and it's kind of lumpy, not consistent. And so rather than mess around with that, I know the bipod is consistent every time. And you always have the fear of like you're gonna clunk, like backpack's gonna clunk. Oh yeah, jet boil or <laughs> something. Something's gonna make a weird noise. It's gonna squeak or pop, and then you're gonna get that one lonesome, attentive antelope that's gonna be like, "What's that over there?" And then pretty much the whole herd's gonna be on to you. So, um, yeah, that's probably I think one of one of the top I would say valuable. Um, you already mentioned Onyx. I did. Onyx is huge. One, yep. So last year I used it a lot. This year I didn't. I didn't use it as much because I, I forgot to download the the offline maps. But last year Jack and I used it a lot when we separated from you. We would use it to judge terrain because it has the like contour maps on there, like the topography maps. Yeah. And so you can kind of judge based on where your position is because it gives you like a live update and. Excuse me. It gives you a live update, and um, you can basically see, like, estimate where the herd is and estimate, like, how many ridges or, you know, what draws are between you and them so you can kind of work into a better stock. And I think we use that a lot, use that a lot today. So, as I ask you if you want to go to today's hunt, because that's what we did today. <laughs> um, let's go to today's hunt, okay. and then we'll start at the first and then we'll work back. It doesn't matter. We can do whatever sure, we want. Sure. It's great. Confuse us. Here at Harvest in Nature, we are known to cook a variety of wild fish and game in a variety of ways. Probably one of my favorite methods is to cook in a smoker. Traeger Grills has some of the best products out there. Their pellet grills aren't just grills. They're smokers and ovens too. Anything you can do in the oven in your house, you can do on the Traeger. You can make desserts, you can grill steaks, you can use cast iron pans and braise tough cuts. You can allow roasts and briskets to smoke all day until they're tender and delicious. You can even use it to make jerky. Their variety of pellets are also very impressive. The different flavors of wood allow you to pair with your meat or fish or vegetables and give it the most flavor that you can create. They even have varieties created specifically for your next wild fish or game meal. So this is uh, day three morning. Um, Which now is we get, today. Today, yeah. Today. So we we got to the ranch and you know we hunted hard the past two days. So uh, the private parcel there was just you know dead. Um, so we figured everything was pushed back to the BLM land and, and neighboring properties uh, a couple miles back. So um, got some rain last night. And if you've ever been to Wyoming, after mm-hmm. it rains, the the ground is like a gumbo. Uh, it sticks to everything. You can't drive on it's it. It's an excellent analogy. On it. Gumbo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you'll, you'll be four inches taller with all the mud on, on your boots after walking on it. It's like ten pounds and heavier. T- yeah. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Maybe twenty. Yeah. Maybe. It's it's <laughs> miserable. So, 
we took the gator in about a mile on the ranch until it got to the point where it got a little sketchy driving. So we got out on foot and walked another about mile to the top of the ridge where uh, the ridge is still on the private land and it overlooks all the public land kind of below it. And you get a really good uh, idea what's down below for miles and miles around. So we glassed that and saw there was a herd um, just across the border on the BLM land. Mm-hmm. And they were kind of grazing and bedding down. They're really relaxed, really chill. So we looked at the onyx of the terrain, and we saw some r- ravines that ran from the private all the way down through to the BLM land. And that's critical in hunting antelope because their defense is their vision, right? So the ravines conceal you. Um, wind was very calm. Um, not that I think they would scent you necessarily unless you're right on top of them, but um, we got down those ravines, and it was like a network of um, like blood vessels, like mm-hmm. all running together. And you, so you look at the onyx, understand where you are, and kind of run it towards where you're going. Because you can't, when you're in there, you can't see above you, because above you, you're looking at the, uh, you know, the walls of those ravines. You can't see the antelope. You can't see anything around you. So um, using that, we got in pretty close. Um, uh, you know, you guys came down there with me and I think we stalked about a mile, um, mile and a half, mile and a half. Okay. Yeah. Mile and a half. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> maybe three. Yeah. All right. It gets, gets longer by the minute. I'm a, I'm a lot older than you guys, yeah. you know? <laughs> so we, we, we stalked a, a questionable distance, but definitely long. Um, but I popped up over the ridge to, to kind of glass the antelope, and I did see a herd about 600 yards away into the, to the BLM land, so I figured they had kind of moved down. Um, there's a decent buck in there embedded down, so plane was going after him. Um, so came down off that ridge, backed in into the ravine, um, got these guys to come over and kind of game plan from then. Um, we then crossed the fence from the private ranch into the BLM land, Mm-hmm. Um, just a barbed wire fence, um, so quickly just uh, hopped over that. Which was very squeaky. Very squeaky, they always are. I was nervous about that because <laughs> at that point, too, it was the only time in our trip that the wind was at our back mm-hmm. for that general area. Normally, the wind was coming, like, northwest, and I think for whatever reason, maybe it was the the geography, but the wind was coming down the ravine, as we were progressing towards where the antelope were. So any sound, any extra movement, any shuffle of gear, I was very, very fearful oh, yeah. of. <laughs> yeah, even just talking back and forth. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, but I, I don't think they, they had no clue. Mm-mm. They had no clue. So um, the ravine started then to open up a little bit, and I got nervous as far as spooking antelope. I didn't know were there. Um, mm-hmm. Or farther off the distance, so or anything, mule deer, exactly, badgers, yeah. coyotes. Yeah, saw a badger yesterday. <laughs> yeah. um, so then these guys kind of stayed back, um, and I went solo uh, on, on the stock, um, and it's kind of crept around each each you know um, describe it, but each kind of finger of that ravine that kind of branches off the main ravine. Mm-hmm. Um, in between the fingers, there'd be a little um, kind of hill of of you know, land where you can get behind some cover. And so I'd go from hill to hill and kind of peek up in glass. And before I knew it, um, I'd gone too far. And um, to my right, I see on the ridge line uh, two doe staring at me 150 yards away. 
and a buck bedded down. Um, so they had no idea I was there before they saw me. And um, so I, I tried to get into a position for a shot. At this point, um, they realized you know, I'm a threat, don't like me. So um, the herd kind of ups and, and moves away um, 100 yards or so over a ridge line. So once they went out of my sight, um, I, I ran to that next ridge line, ridge line probably um, 100 yards away or so, um, 150 yards away, don't know. It was a graceful jog. I was moving, yeah. We watched you. We were like, oh, <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> yeah, with 10 pounds of mud on each foot, I was running up that hill. <laughs> um, so I got to the top of the ridge line. They couldn't see me as I was running. That's, that's why I was running. Um, and I was trying to catch them. I knew, I knew they would stop eventually. So got to that ridge line, and sure enough, they were about 200 yards away on the hillside, still agitated, still very alert. Um and as I was setting up for a shot, again, they have excellent eyesight. I'm laying in a prone position just over a ridge. And they could probably just see my rifle and maybe a little bit, you know, of my head. But that's enough movement that made them uncomfortable. And so they just start to spook again. Um, at this point, I could tell there's two nice mature bucks in the herd. I'm happy to take either, um, fill my buck tag. And, um, you know, I, I ranged it real quick, about um, 200 yards and, um, you know, they just started to kind of take off again, and the buck was at not a, not a trot, but he was moving and uh, put a round into him. Um, wasn't a great hit, but I tell I I did hit him, knock him down, and he was wounded. Um, and I watched him run away with the herd, ran another probably 500 yards, and then he he bedded down, and the the herd kept going. So I knew he was he was hit pretty good. That's when we we saw the herd. Yeah, and yeah. that's when we made like the crucial like assisting hunter move we're like count the number of deer or count the number of antelope deer antelope <laughs> it's been a good struggle this week <laughs> count the number of antelope like all right one buck one two three four doe okay and then it was like the, when we caught up with aj because he like waved us up and when we caught up with him i was like how many were there in the herd and he's like two buck you know four doe yeah. and i was like okay well we only saw one buck and four doe and he's like, yeah, yeah, I know. I saw it bed down, <laughs> so we're good. And I was like, all right, cool. want to do my part. That goes back. That goes back to our Sierra Nevada trip back in 2015. Remember yeah, that? Uh, yes, I do. Yeah. That's yep. a, that's a Yes. <laughs> that, that's another podcast. That's another story, right? <laughs> story for another time. But if you want to read about it, I'll put those show notes in here, too. It's a... Uh, Oh man, I can't remember the title of it. I'll put it in there. I but was, uh, I was not involved. No, no you, you weren't in there. this. Uh, no. not man, involved. This, this was the <laughs> nine mile hike up. Uh, it's like the mountain swallowed the deer. Anyway, if you want to read the story, yeah. you can read the story. We're not going to recap it on here. But yeah. uh, being a good hunting partner, like honed honed my skill that day. Yeah, eyes, detail. <sighs> yeah, it's almost like um, it's not a great analogy, but being witness to a crime. <laughs> right <laughs> remembering those details yes you know um but anyway uh yeah you guys caught up with me and then we walked down that ravine and um got to that spot and i said yeah let's hold back and make sure he's down and um sure enough he, he was down but he was still alive so mm -hmm. um basically crawled up to about um I don't know, 50 yards away and uh, at that point he stood up and i just put one more through him he was done um but yeah that was uh that was a great stock, uh, great hunt. It wasn't a great first shot, but um, 
you know, all in all, you're you're in the moment. You're you're out of breath. You're breathing hard. Um, the animal's moving. Um, normally, I wouldn't advocate taking that kind of shot. Um, I normally don't, but um, it's the last day of the hunt. Mm -hmm. You know, time's running out, and the way things are going, I may not get another shot at a buck. So, it wasn't um, too risky where it was a crack shot. Um, I'm confident it's about 400 yards. So to take a shot at, you know, 220 and a buck that's moving a little bit, um, you know, I felt good about that. And that's why I did it. Um, and it wasn't like other, they weren't bunched up. No, no, he, he was all alone. So it wasn't a risk of hitting a different animal or something like that. It was, um, you know, something I was very, very, you know, confident doing. And, mm -hmm. um, those scenarios where, you know, I kind of play them through my head. What would you do in that scenario? I mean, it's one I've done many times and it's become second nature. The, the confidence that he has in shooting is because he does shoot. Mm -hmm. He just doesn't shoot for a hunt. He practices. Yeah, have to. All year long, you know. Yeah, I mean, all year long, the wife went like that, but uh, <laughs> well, a few months for hunting season. <laughs> you, you, have se you have several guns. Yeah. You have several guns that you bring because I travel. Oh yeah, I travel. I, I don't. Yeah. I don't have a, a rifle to bring with me. Um, you, you fly. Yeah, yeah. I fly. Which I, I drive. He drives, and uh, he brings these guns, and he shoots bolts at them, sights them yep. in, and he mm -hmm. just doesn't shoot one or two shots with each each rifle. So, but uh, you know, he's he is a confident shooter. I I was impressed last year. You're, uh, I think it was three hundred and thirty-eight yards. Oh, the buck last year? Yeah. Uh, 360. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, 360. <laughs> <laughs> I Try stand correct. Un undersell me. <laughs> Sorry. But that, w that was perfect conditions. Yeah, uh, no wind. I, like. I had a, a great hold on him and yeah. uh, had my you know Hornaday ballistics calculator next to me, and it was like it was like being at the range. It worked out great. But, uh, uh, yeah, it's, you got to practice. Yep. Um, let's see. Let's rewind. Fortunately, well, well, the pack out. Oh, oh, wait. We haven't even <laughs> talked about the pack out. Yeah. So we're now. Um, so we did have a gator, but we didn't use it in like the sense that people think about using a gator. No, it was more like a retrieval vehicle. It was. Yeah. It, so, it helped us get it yep. back to the, the truck. And plus, now we're on public land, so we can't use it anyway. Yeah. Um, you can't off road on BLM land. Um, but yeah, it was it was muddy as all as all heck, and uh, so we couldn't gut it and drag it out. So we corded it, um, which is great. Hadn't corded an animal in several years. I just usually just gut them and bring them out. But made quick work of that, and thankfully there were three of us. Mm -hmm. um, so we loaded the packs and then hiked out. And I think it took us about something like an hour and a half or so. I mean, it was it was a haul. It was probably. Yeah. Two and a half miles back to the Gator, and then rode that a mile of the truck. Yeah. Um, but it, yeah, it was a great hunt. I do want to. I'm I'm really happy with my pack this year. I got a Slumberjack pack. I think it's the Bounty 2.0. I got it at the beginning of the year. Um, super happy with the performance. It's got this little detachable backpack, which I've been carrying around um, until today. I was like, we we got in the Gator. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to put my pack in there. And I put my pack. I put the full pack, not just the small backpack. Um, and so it had all my stuff, game bags, everything in it. And, yep, 
Which thank yeah. you for that because I didn't bring them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I use. I'll, I'll give another shout out to Alan. I use their game bags. That was pretty confident. We actually. We I washed them. We washed them today at the laundromat too. Uh, at our little stopover and uh, came out clean. They're ready to go Squeak, again. Squeaky clean. Yeah. You know, very very durable. I'm mm-hmm. excited about mm-hmm. that. So hopefully we can put them in use tomorrow. But uh, yeah, the pack out. We had some cool experiences on the pack out. It was a little AJ and I were a little nervous. I don't know. We didn't really talk about art, but we saw like a salamander midway through and. Why that makes me nervous is last year we had like a rattlesnake run in. So, of course, Wyoming being Wyoming, there's rattlesnakes all over. Uh, if the temperatures are down, you generally don't have a problem. But as the temperature starts to come up, um, even this late in the year, the rattlesnakes will come out. Mm-hmm. And seeing the salamander was kind of a, a red flag, or I'd say a yellow flag. Um, we, di- we didn't have our gators on, did we? We didn't have gators. No, we didn't have snake gators. Issue, yeah. Sometimes we, uh, I'd say like 50-50 shot, depending on where the temperature's at for the day, we'll we'll throw snake gators on. Um, you know, some people will wear them, some people won't. I, I don't know. I'm a big... What what's, what's your number? At what temperature do you put them on? Hmm. I think... I think it depends on sunlight too, because mm-hmm. there's a lot of sun out. I think it changes because those snakes will come out seeking the sun. Um, I would say like sixties ish, anywhere in the sixties. I'd probably start to put them on. Uh, uh, yeah, I, sixty and sunny, you should have them yeah. on. I would even say fifty-five and sunny, not gonna hurt. Yeah. Um, I don't. This is full disclosure. People do what you want and be cautious, <laughs> but this is just me. Better to be safe than sorry. Exactly. I. You I mean, yeah. yeah. It takes me five minutes to put them on. I don't care what I look like. I don't care what anybody looks at me and sees. I'm probably not going to see anybody, but these two guys while we're out anyway. Yeah. And I don't want to get bit by a rattlesnake because I was thinking yeah. about that today. I was like. All right, got my spot tracker, got my tourniquet, got all this stuff. I was like, but I don't have my snake gators on. I was like, can I tourniquet a snake bite? I don't know. All these snares running through my head after we saw that salamander. Uh, But then we got up to the top of the ridge, and the wind was ripping. And it felt like the temperature may have been 55, 60, but the wind chill was probably like 40s. Yeah. Oh, the pen just rolled on my arm. It scared me because I'm talking <laughs> about snakes. <laughs> um, <laughs> He's putting his gators on. Yeah. Right? <laughs> I'm going to get them on. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so, well, let's let's rewind to uh, to day one, and we can, uh, we can go through that. So, day one was Arts Day. Yes, it was. So first one to tag out. Was. Yeah. Um then I played golfer. <laughs> <laughs> We've all done it. <laughs> yeah. Um so yeah, you wanna I, I got my uh female tag. Yep, doe tag. And I, I believe it was hundred and thirty seven yards. Hundred and thirty seven. So yeah. we uh we passed by the property and saw that there was a doe and what I thought was a buck uh, watering at the the tank. And so AJ dropped us off. 
uh, Art and I, and we basically like made our stock towards the tank, and in <coughs> the way in, I found that. Uh, what do you? Oh yeah, monopod. You, the monopod. Somebody <laughs> left their Cabela <laughs> monopod. Which Somebody left it, dropped it on the ground or whatever. And if you lost a Cabela monopod, send us an email. <laughs> it works. T- it if works fine. If you oiled it up, <laughs> if you can tell me where you lost it at, I'll mail it to you. <laughs> yeah, what it looks like, you know. <laughs> um, so yeah, we made, we put this good stock on. Uh, it was pretty good, and I think one of the key moments that happened. So Art made a great shot. Um, Got my animal. Yeah. So, but my mistake, rookie move. I won't say rookie move, but mistake on my part is that because at the time I was still holding doe tag and I was looking for my my buck and I did not um, scan above where the the two doe which I later identified two doe were and in the sagebrush directly above them was another buck and another doe and the buck was like a a shooter buck he was mature buck I would have gone after him and I did so after we, the hurt, the f- three at that time moved off to the west, and uh, we found Art's doe, knew it was good to go, and I saw AJ come with a gator, so I knew he was good to to help out with all the the cleaning. Yeah, I heard the shot, and then yep, I was probably about what is that gate half mile away or so, but uh, he heard the shot and um, came over the hill, and mm-hmm. I saw you. High stepping it up over the next ridge, so I knew you were after something. Yeah, so I got up to the top of the ridge, which was like the back ridge of the property, which goes down towards the BLM land, and I I didn't see the herd anywhere. Mm. Um, So I didn't get an opportunity that day, or that moment. But, well, we were actually, so I'll backtrack. We have a lot to tell of the the first day. uh, I think you were, I don't see it as missed opportunity. I think you were... Is an act of generosity. Yeah. Is that you were focused on helping my dad, um, you know, get situated, get in position, uh, identify the right animal. I mean, and so your mind wasn't thinking what else is out there for me. Yeah, that's true. So, um, be hard on yourself. <laughs> well, <laughs> I just, I don't know, I missed it. But, um, either way, so let's backtrack the beginning part of that day. To where um, I also identified a herd of rocks, which uh, we put a hour and a half stock <laughs> on to only find out that they were rocks. So that was my bad. Um. <laughs> well, you know, the sunlight hits rocks at a certain angle, and they, they look white, look bright. Yeah. And the antelope are, are white, and they stick out in the sagebrush and from far away. And to be fair, we were driving by from a distance and we saw that from the road and we thought well, let's go put a stock on them and see what mm-hmm. that is a few miles away and uh i had peeled off halfway through yeah i said let me go back and get the gator and i'll <laughs> come back and get you guys one well, i then i then i get a, a picture on my phone it's a text <laughs> and it's a group of rocks <laughs> well i i realized quickly and through my head like the whole time art and i were making the approach i'm like they should be moving like, we should have seen a move right or left or, like, <laughs> we should have seen them come to fruition at some point. So the closer we got to where it was, the more I became doubtful 
of the fact that we hadn't seen them because we were in a good spot where they weren't going to move off where we couldn't see them. So anyway, after that, um, we, we'd kind of planned to depart the ranch and go to some public land, which was further south of where we were, which is another spot where we, we go uh, that I mentioned earlier. Um, and in that, we decided, like, hey, let's drive up to the north side of the property and check out the pond, and that's when we made the stock on, on Art's dough, which was great. Mm-hmm. So we loaded that up after it was all clean, and then we do go back down south to the land, the state land that we, we hunted down there, and it was absolutely nothing. It was busted. No. Uh, no sign of antelope anywhere. You know, there's been a lot of... Um, this is the second season mm-hmm. in, in this zone. And, you know, we mentioned the years of been coming here. And um, you know, I'm here six years now, and you guys are three years each. And this is, from my memory, this is the most pressure I've seen on the public hunting spots. Yeah. I mean, every time you pull up, there's at least one truck there, if not two or more. Um, and I think that it's just blown out. The animals aren't there. Yeah. Especially they're moving through very quickly. Especially coming second season, I, I think first yeah. season you're given the opportunity to sort of like you're at the gate when it's ready to open. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that that was a challenge, each of the pieces of public land. I mean, even like the honey hole, when we went to it, like we saw a gut pile there. Yeah. And the tracks and blood and like. Yeah. So we knew people were taking, taking things off that. Um, so the first day, the evening, so like your evening hunt, we go back to the ranch and pass by the pond again. And on the north side of the pond where there's like a little creek from the dam, there's a herd there. Uh, we we only see two, I think, initially. So then uh, Art drops us off. Uh, AJ and I go in because we're like, all right, good enough herd, like, one of us is going to take a doe, one of us take a buck, or we'll both yeah. take bucks. Like, whatever looks good. So we we put a good stock on it, but we just end up in a a weird spot to where the way the herd's moving, we can't close in within that 300-yard gap. And the wind picked up. No. The wind was blowing probably 20, 25 that day. So we weren't comfortable, so we watched them for a little while. And uh, they kind of worked back towards the pond. And we had the idea to pull back to the road, cross the road, walk down the other side of the road, and then cross over. And then sort of where we were, uh, we were able to get close because they were sucked up to the side of the dam at this point on the, the land side, not the water side. So then AJ decided to hang back a little bit, and I went ahead and pushed forward because I identified a buck out of that herd mm-hmm. that I want. He was nice. And I was like, this is this is my buck. Spoke it into fruition. Yeah, I I I didn't want to mess up your stock. Yep. And so I, you went to the right side of the tank, to the dam, mm-hmm. and I was about 200 yards to, uh, I guess, the left side. Mm-hmm. Um, not really near the pond, but I was just kind of, in a little um, uh, kind of bunker in the ground, call it. And my plan was, you know, Justin, you'll shoot this buck. You'll scare them out the other side, and I'll pick off a doe. And so I was there just kind of waiting to see what happened from your stock. Yep. And so I pushed forward and basically, like, crawled 
over the top of the dam and there was a young buck um maybe a yearling get a little definitely buck but uh kind of like spotted me but i was on the side of the dam closest to them but the way i couldn't see the rest of the herd because they were so close to the dam that they were almost like uh would have been straight up for me within a gap of like had i moved over five yards to the right i would have seen them but he spotted me and i don't know if he spotted me moving because it was pretty still he just got uncomfortable and then he ran and then the others sort of i saw them erupt out of but because it was six o'clock or so at this time, mm-hmm. the sun uh, backlit them, and I couldn't see where that they stopped. And I raised up my scope once they did stop, because they were about they were about seventy yards from where they originally sprinted from, and then stopped, which would have been probably about a hundred and twenty for me, which is mm-hmm. that's a good comfortable shot. Uh, but I couldn't I couldn't get a good look at at what I wanted, so I was like, I'm not going to shoot. So they continued to push to the west, sort of up the ridge. And the way we noticed the the antelope going that day, there were two sort of uh, ridge lines that they would, or three, three ridge lines, and they would travel sort of the valleys in between it. Um, And they worked their way up that. And I was able to move around to the right and quickly, a lot of sprinting and walking and catching my breath and sprinting and walking, uh, I I got up ahead of them and then was able to essentially I closed the distance to about 30 to 40 yards um, to where the same buck, young buck, started noticing me again. But I was from the belly position looking through the sights of the rifle. I could see the horns of the buck that I wanted to shoot and I could see him moving. And then so I was able to, within probably like a 5 to 10 second window, I moved from my stomach to like uh, in a sitting position with my gun resting on my knee and was able to locate that buck, not spook the herd, and took like a 40-yard shot on him. Mm-hmm. I watched the whole thing. Yeah. It was great to watch it unfold. Um, and, and I will say, when they first spilled out behind that dam after he spooked that young buck, uh, you know, they settled there. And I was watching them, and, and all three bucks were shooter bucks. But mm-hmm. the one you took, he stood out. He was the most mature and the uh, the biggest buck. And I had him in my sights at 226 yards. You could um, but I, I but I did not take him. On the didn't record. Winchester I, me. I, I did not take him. <laughs> That'd be a dick move. I said, no, this is Justin's buck. He's gonna get him. And so I watched the rest of it unfold. And um, yeah, I was looking at him, and I saw you put the final shot in. Him yeah. And um, yeah, it was a great stock. It was awesome. That was my first. Uh, that was my first antelope buck. Cause each year I've just I've done antelope does, and uh, so super excited for that. So now, day two, um, day two starts off. <coughs> well, we had to take the meat up north. Yeah, oh, yeah. You're gonna talk about the butcher and taking the meat. Yeah, I was gonna talk. So. Definitely, I, I want to hit on that because a lot of people are going to be like, well, Justin, why didn't you process it yourself? And it sort of comes in the time game. Uh, one, the time game, and two, uh, we have a great processor here that we trust. Uh, they've done great jobs year mm-hmm. after year after year. 
uh, and it, it really fits and works for us. So we've chosen that method. Um, and that's that. And I don't know if anybody's going to have a problem with that. I don't really care. That's the way I go with uh, antelope. Uh, we're up for mule deer next, so that's probably going to be a different story. But we'll see. Um, well, I mean, we have uh, we had five antelope tags to fill in two yeah. and a half days. And there's no way that you can do that and process all that meat. Yeah. And it's a lot more equipment to bring up with you. So um, I got no problem doing it, supporting local economy, supporting that business. And, uh, you know, I come, up, I come up here, do my thing, and when I'm ready to go, it's all packaged up, frozen, and you go home, drop it in your deep freeze, your your, mm -hmm. your freezer. I mean, it's it works out so great. Yeah, last year I flew with it. Art has his shipped yeah. home. Like right, it, it, right. it's a it's a pretty it's a pretty good arrangement. Like they they do a good job with it. Like mm -hmm. I haven't had any any problems. So no, um, I'm supportive of that. Just, and not only that, but don't forget, we you've been doing this for so long. The people at the processing plant they know you. Yeah, they know you. They know you. You start to recognize. Yep, they know the name. Which is good. Cause Especially when you go there twice in the same day. <laughs> which we did. So that's a good segue. Yeah. Um, so Art and I took our, our antelope up there. We had to keep them overnight because I took mine so late. They closed before we could get them up there. Uh, so we just iced them down. It was cold enough outside. It was like 32 degrees outside. We got frost that, at night. Yeah. yeah. So wasn't a concern of the meat going bad. Um, so... We took him up. We dropped AJ off of the ranch. We actually, we put a stock on, you, did you and I, we stocked a herd that morning. Morning of day, of, uh, day two, we stocked a herd. Yep, unsuccessfully. And uh, that, yeah, that was, uh, there was a nice buck in that herd I was after, and uh, it just didn't work out. Terrain wasn't good. Conditions weren't right. I got spotted 220 yards away, wasn't comfortable, and just watched them go over the ridge. Yeah, there were a lot of, yeah, there was a lot of mixed. Then we yeah. spotted another herd, which spooked, like, it, it, it just didn't work out. So anyway, uh, Art and I peeled off, went to go take it to the processor, which is about an hour and a half from here. Uh, we did save hearts and livers mm -hmm. off the two. Uh, you'll see on... And the tongue. And the tongue. Yeah. You'll see Art holding the heart of his doe on the, what's the title? It's episode 215. It's, uh, oh, man. Uh, I'm struggling now. Liver, heart, liver, call, and tongue, dot, 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 yum. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a crew chat we had where we talked all about cooking, uh, cooking, cooking and harvesting those things. But, yeah. Art posed for the perfect picture. You did a good job with that. I'm a heartful guy. Like, <laughs> what is it, uh, Vanna White, hand model? <laughs> Price is right. Is it Price is right? Uh, she's Wheel of Fortune. Wheel of Fortune. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. So Way off. <laughs> <laughs> way off. Um, day two, we went up to the processor, dropped it off. On the way back, as we alluded to earlier, AJ texted and was like, hey, bring ice. So we did. Yep. Um, as we're getting back i think i already i i, I you, you did you told how you're running back and forth and uh yep yeah i brought the ice back in so i spotted 
a pair of dough, which we later associate with the dough that AJ took off the mm-hmm. pond that he um, ambushed. Uh, yeah, I think out of those three, it was you saw those two. Yep. That because uh, they after they uh, ran out of there, they ran north. They ran yep and north. Them, yeah. And as we came by, I saw them, and so we dropped the ice off. Art dropped me off. I I was very pleased with my stock because on the north side of the property, the property butts up to some BLM land, and there's this little ridge that runs the fence line, and I was able to cross over on the BLM, go down this ridge, cross over the the fence line back onto the ranch, and get within 140 yards. Like the doe that I shot didn't even know I was there. Like I, it, it was incredible. But uh, super easy shot, textbook, um, not textbook. <laughs> uh, we weren't there, so. Yeah, I, nobody, I don't know. could have been. I have no yeah, idea. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> well, you guys can wait for the video to come out. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it was great. I had a blast doing that one. Uh, it was super quick. Um, i trying to think the only thing that made me nervous. Uh, nervous started getting super warm, so I was concerned with rattlesnakes. And then second was she fell like on a prairie dog pile or a prairie dog hole. And there's this whole notion of like prairie dogs carrying the plague. And yeah, this I, is bordering paranoia. This is this is definitely yeah. bordering paranoia. But I was like flea jumps from the prairie dog hole onto the antelope and I'm cleaning the antelope and the flea jumps onto me and bites me and I get bubonic plague. Yeah. It no. Probably not, not realistic. <laughs> Obviously, Two days later, I'm still here talking. I don't know how quickly symptoms set in. But anyway, um, that was good. And then day three is today, uh, which we talked about. Yep. So I, I think we've covered the gambit of our antelope adventure. The, the, la- the last thing I'll add, um, we're talking about, you know, kind of being introduced to hunting antelope and uh, the gear you need. And the one thing I would add that do not overlook is the physical intensity of of the hunt um i mean you're gonna you're gonna hike easily 10 miles a day and it's a lot up a lot of down you're carrying 30 pounds a year um you're at higher elevations for many many people um there's mud there's weather so i mean a lot of us i I mean i spend much of june july august september you know working out more than normally would um, throwing a pack on, hiking the hills around my house, getting in shape. Um, so definitely do it. Definitely prepare for these trips to get the most out of it. You don't want to get up here and be tired or, worst case, get hurt and ruin your hunt. Um, and that's part of the reason why we come up here and fill five tags in two and a half days. Um, it's a lot of preparation, a lot of planning, a lot of experience. And we didn't do it from the get-go the get-go it took us three or four days to even get within shooting range of one antelope um but uh it's it's a lot of fun and every year we look forward to it is that your last your last thought that's it yeah my my closing thought you have you have a last thought (laughs) art i'm just glad he bought the slings for the rifles this year oh yeah (laughs) so in previous years we carried just the rifles with the bipods with no slings on it and whatever reason aj decided this year was the year of the sling i'm Um, not getting any younger out here guys you know it's uh yeah 
Uh, <laughs> I always wanted the same. But anyway. Uh, Nobody said th- anything. Just carry <laughs> the, the damn rifle. <laughs> if you want a sling, put a sling on it. <laughs> so <laughs> we got one this year on both rifles, which is great. Um, that's a good last thought. Yeah. Any Any overarching last thought for the... The listeners, any takeaway or be prepared. That's it. Yeah. That's a good one. Be prepared. Uh my last thought is that antelope hunting is probably one of my favorite seasons of the year. I like coming to Wyoming this time of year because of the change in seasons. You get to experience the the drastic variations in the weather. Uh I also like the fact that they move around a lot. And I can move around a lot and do the traditional, like, Big West spot and stock. Like, just kind of feel, it feels natural. It feels good. And I think you today, like, we're cleaning an antelope. And you're like, this is oddly therapeutic. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, yeah, because it's <laughs> natural. This is what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be out here hunting our food. So it, it falls in line perfectly with what, what I enjoy. And I encourage everybody to give it a shot. Um, give it a shot a couple times. You got to iron out the kinks and i would say yeah look at wyoming look at all the other states that have it a lot of the western states have antelope so there's tons of opportunities out there uh if you can't get to wyoming try to get one of the others um also if you don't oh looking forward to the mule hunt tomorrow yep tomorrow mm-hmm. we're off for mule deer muleys yeah. yeah and after hunting antelope we're going to feel like we can walk up and pet those mule deer. <laughs> That'll be great. <laughs> That'll be great. Um, I will say this. I'm going to close this out in saying, if you don't follow us on social media, which you should, uh, go do that now. Facebook, Instagram, all those things. And then um, whatever podcast platform you're listening to, punch that five-star button. Give us a review. Tell us what we're doing wrong. Tell us what we're doing right. And don't forget about the podcast two zero code you can go over to the website and get 20 percent off whatever you order and uh otherwise i think it's a great podcast have a good night guys